Good to see everyone. Um, we've been going through a series called Revealed. Uh, Revealed, seeing the glory of God clearly from Isaiah. And uh, we've, we've talked about so far God being good. And last week we, we mentioned God being uh, sovereign in his saving power. This morning we're going to talk about plans. Any, anyone a planner in here? Anyone like planning stuff? Wow, our church is, has so few planners here. <laughs> That's really concerning. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, 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 people, we, we have plans. We make plans. We're about to come up on the new year. We're going to make some, some new resolutions, some plans. Um, I am also bad at planning. Th- again, this is really concerning. But whenever I think of, uh, of planning, I, my mind immediately, as all, as all people's minds go to, is the A-Team. You guys ever seen the A-Team? Uh, the old TV show, or there was one new movie that was pretty, it was pretty bad. But uh, it's, it's there, there's a character named Hannibal, who uh, his 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 catch his line is, "I love it when a plan comes together." And if you ever see the show, it becomes pretty evident why those plans come together. They're so convoluted that if you're the enemy, you would never see this. Co- and no one ever questions any of these plans, right? So they just kind of slap on this. This team is full of army rangers. So, of course, they know how to operate a motorcycle, a helicopter, a submarine, an airplane. Like, a- anything that happens, all four of them know how to do everything. And by the time that the plan comes together, someone's jumped, like, ten buses. Someone's, like, hopped underneath a, a, a truck via submarine. And you're like, oh, wow, that plan's amazing. Well, of course it worked. No one would think that your team has every competency on the planet and would come up through the sewer drain via a submarine. Anyway. Th- th- but th- when we, we see those movies and, and we, we like when, when plans come together, when we see that, because it kind of gives us the satisfaction of like, wow, someone planned something really, really well, right? I also don't like movies, which is the majority of them, where the plans don't come together because it's a little too relatable, right? The, the, they plan some, that's, the, that's the premise of most action films, right? Most and most thriller films. If, they didn't, if the plan went together, the movie would be over in like 20 minutes. Right, but the plan has to fall apart, and they have to figure it out, and that that feels a little too relatable to me. I make all kinds of plans, and they don't always pan out. Planning is fun, however, it's uh, incredibly humiliating when it doesn't come together, and it's terrifying while you're trying to wait for the plan to come together, and it doesn't always feel like our plans are going to come together. It doesn't really feel like our plans really are going to 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 come to fruition, especially when we have to wait for them to finish. And a lot of times when our plans change, we ask the question, who's really in charge? <laughs> who's, who's really in charge here? Who's in charge of this life? I don't always feel like I'm in charge of this life. Maybe the three people who said they like planning, maybe they're always in control. But the fact is that our plans fall apart. They fall apart, they change, they adjust. And so the question today for us to, to think about is, is, what's God's plan? I'm not going to answer it via song. Uh, what's God's plan? So like we've said, God is good. He is persistent in his help and his love of us. He is sovereign in his saving power. But today we're going to see that he is sovereign in his saving plan. And we're going to get a big picture of his saving plan for history. And we're going to get a smaller picture of his saving plan for you and me. We're going to continue in, in Isaiah. So the reason we're going through Isaiah is in Isaiah 40, there's this kind of uh, tone shift in the book uh, where God's glory is revealed in a special and comforting way to a people who are scattered and terrified in this world. And from this, from this book and from this situation where evil seems to be winning, we have some of the most beautiful 
vibrant pictures of Jesus that, that we will ever get. Almost so beautiful and so accurate that it, it seems like sometimes that they were written after Jesus resurrected. It's so beautiful. Let's, let's keep going. Isaiah 44, 24. This is God saying uh, to his people, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. God, as we look into your word this morning, as we think about your plans, your plan, your big plan, God, would you um, reveal to us where we're not trusting you? Would you help us to trust you more? Thank you, God, for all that you do. Amen. Amen. So as we go through the next few verses, we're just going to draw out a, a few observations as we go. So, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb. Uh, that Redeemer is capitalized. Capital R Redeemer. It's one of the names of God. It's not just something he kind of does on the weekends. It's not a side gig for him. He is your capital R Redeemer who formed you from the womb. He is the Lord who made all things, right? Who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. I like that little addition by myself. Like, a lot of you are engineers in this room, but you didn't create the universe. (laughs) It's like, I didn't need help. I did it by myself. But from the beginning, when you were formed, he was your redeemer. There is something fascinating about God's plan is that his plan is and always was redemption. God's plan is and always was redemption. I wish I can go into this longer, but he, the, the plan was always to redeem a people for himself to get the most glory. When Adam and Eve sinned, God didn't shout from the heavens, pivot! I didn't see that coming. Uh, what, son, you got an idea? What are we going to do? It was always the plan. When, G- when God says to the serpent, I'm going to crush your head, that wasn't an overreaction. It wasn't a reaction. It was the plan. Jesus was the plan. Redemption was the plan. And it's this beautiful picture that w- when, I, when I think about it, it, it might sound ter- like redemption was always the plan. Why didn't he just make like perfect little beings, little robots that responded to him perfectly, right? Why didn't he just make like a bunch of chat GPTs and just that was what creation would be? God is interested, I love this, your Redeemer, there's a possessive here, he is desiring of a relationship. This redemption is in the context of a relationship, and God's plan is and always was redemption. At no point did he have to say, oh, plot twist, didn't see that coming. It was always redemption. Let's keep going. Verse 25, who frustrates the signs of liars and makes fool of diviners, who turns wise men back and makes their knowledge foolish. <coughs> to explain this, I, I, when, I, when I think about God's active role here, uh, I, this picture came to my mind. I was uh, 14 years old, and I went to the YMCA, and I was going to play, I was, I was in a YMCA basketball league, and I showed up a little early. And the game before, <laughs> uh, I showed up early enough to see this whole thing play out. The game before, the refs didn't care. And so they just asked, I'm not even sure, like, if it was a dad or just, like, a random YMCA employee to be the referee. Now, he happily agreed because he probably thought, this is a children's YMCA league. How violent could it get? As he was refereeing, the, 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 the kids on both teams started to get more animated and started to question his call, as did the parents. And then he did the dumbest thing you can do as a referee— 
he took it back several times. He's like, oh, you're right. That wasn't a foul. And then the other team was like, wait, what? And, and the game ended three minutes early because both teams just walked off in a huff. And then he was like, I think I have to do the rest of your game. <laughs> He's like, I wish you the best, buddy. I think sometimes, <coughs> when, when I think about God's active role, I think we think of God as this kind of, uh, as this referee. Like, not necessarily a bad guy, but someone we can sway. We can say, hey, no, that's not fair. Choose me over that guy. Pick me over that person. God's role here, he, he frustrates the signs of liars. He is actively removing and and ending liars. <laughs> he makes fool of diviners. W- when I think about this verse, it, it's, it's like someone is saying, what about the people who are lying to us? The ones who have tricked us? What about the ones who we feel have, have defeated us? God is not a bad referee. Not, not a nice, but bad referee. He is actively frustrating the signs of liars and makes fool of diviners. That, that uh, psalm we read, Psalm 73, it begins with, with this meditation on from, from David of like, it seems like evil people are always winning. And they just keep, m- keep getting richer and getting more stuff and they live without consequence. And that, that's where we picked it up was he, he is feeling bitterness in his heart. But the fact is, friends, is that God is active. And even though it may seem like evil is winning or liars are winning or diviners are winning or wise men seem to be tricking people, God is active in frustrating it. I, when I think about the history of, of Jesus and, and his plan of redemption being protected, it, it is proven in the fact that I'm still talking about Jesus 2,000 years later. He is, he is active in his role in creation. He, doesn't, he didn't set it up and then step back. He's still active. God is still active in his plan, and he is not swayed by us. And that's actually a good thing. It's good that he's not swayed by us. And what's even more fascinating about these liars and these diviners that it talks about is that eventually God actually wants to call them into redemption as well. God is still active in his plan. Let's keep going, verse 22. He confirms the word of his servant and fulfills the counsel of his messenger. He says of Jerusalem, she shall be inhabited. And of the cities of Judah, he sh- they shall be built. And I will raise up their ruins. So now we get to the plan, the plan itself. Okay, so God, the, the plan was redemption all along. He is active in his plan. And then we get to the plan. He confirms the word of his servant. When you read that, you're like, oh, that's nice. Like he's nice to the people who he employs. No, actually, this servant probably should be capital S servant. So in Isaiah, this servant is revealed over the next several chapters. And this servant is, is uh, a title for him is the suffering servant. And it becomes pretty clear that he's more than just a normal servant. This servant is willing to die. Even though he is righteous, he's willing to bear everyone's grief and everyone's sorrow and everyone's sin. This servant is Jesus. Isaiah 49.6, uh, th- we're going to read this again. Uh, for when we commissioned Patrick and Katie. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserve of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. Jesus is his servant. And his plan, what he's protecting against lies, what he's protecting against uh, people ruining, his plan was that his servant would come and serve us. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man was, was, the, was a king. 
there's this beautiful king prophesied. The king came to serve us. Jesus is his servant. And he's going to confirm the word of his servant. He's going to confirm that Jesus, that the plan was always, always to be a light for the nations. Always. All the way back to Abraham. The goal was always all nations. Everyone would see and, and believe and understand the beauty of our Savior who despite our rejection of him, chooses to serve us anyway. That is his servant. That's the plan. But there's a second part of the plan. It talks about his messenger. This is also something we'll read in the passage of Isaiah 14. Who are his messengers? So if his servant is Jesus, who are his messengers? Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Later on, Paul the Apostle draws this to people who bring the good news of Jesus. And that picture of how beautiful are the feet. I have disgusting feet. My wife can attest to this. I run, and uh, I, I also have a, like a, a thing where, a little bit of my backstory that might explain some of my character. Uh, some of my Achilles tendon was clipped when I was born. And so due to that surgery, I actually have no uh, calf muscle on my left leg. So when I, when I run, my left leg, and this is a joke, it, it's kind of like a fleshy peggy. Like there's no bending, it just kind of slants. So my left leg, despite the fact that I probably shouldn't be doing this, I run all the time and my left leg is callous. Like you wouldn't believe. This picture of how beautiful are the feet, are, are the messengers, is how beautiful are the feet of those who are willing to get their feet bloody and disgusting to bring the gospel to where it hasn't been preached before. Who are willing to run great, great distances to bring the gospel. Those are the messengers. People who are willing to take it where it is not before. Patrick McKibben says it. People with ugly feet, but a beautiful messenger. We get to join the servant's plan. We are the messengers. God redeems and unleashes redeemers. He redeems redeemers. When we get redeemed, then we get to go, guess what? I've been redeemed. This is the plan. It's a new way of viewing your life. I love thinking about this as being my life's plan. If my plan is about my glory, if my plan is about my success, it's going to get thwarted all the time. But if it's about his, and there's an adjustment, it's just an opportunity to spread the good news of redemption. It's just an opportunity to get my feet ugly. It's an opportunity to say, no matter what happens, my God reigns and, my, and I know where, I, where, where my end is. We talked about last week that it is finished. We know that the battle is done. We know our end. We know where we're going. I know my eternity. When things happen, my message is not, oh, woe is me, but oh, how great is he. I get to be a messenger of the servant bring redemption to this world. He redeems and unleashes redeemers. Next verse, and, I, and this verse is, is it kind of seems like an odd, like, okay, so we're talking about the, the plan, and, 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 and there's a message, and then he says, verse 27, who says to the deep, be dry, I will dry up the rivers. It does seem like, like an, okay, so we're now talking about the physical world. 
But I would like to mention, and this is true all over the, 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 the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the gospel of Jesus, is that it has to do with the physical world as well. God's redemption includes the physical world. He says to the deep, be dry, I'll dry up the rivers. That's actually a callback to when God saved his people through the Red Sea. God has power over the physical world. And friends, I don't know when or all the time why he answers certain physical prayer requests. But he does. I'm proof of that. That club foot actually could have been a non-baby. And that's your medical miracle. They prayed for that. I don't know why I uh, answered that. But God did answer it. I prayed for four of my children to be young. I don't know why, but it's a new one. But I got one. I don't know why God didn't heal my mom through 20 years we prayed for her. But I know she's home. And I know God kept her alive that long. And I know that my mom proclaimed peace and the goodness to her feet was so beautiful for those 20 years. God's redemption includes the physical world. He's not going to let evil win. And we don't always understand why death and pain happen, but they're opportunities. I present the message that we know where our end is. We know what our servant has done. And his redemption includes the physical world. And this last part, uh, happy Thanksgiving, by the way. Uh, this, this last part is rough. <laughs> this, last, this last verse, I'm not going to lie to you, I, I kind of wanted to like just end it right here and be like, okay, enjoy your turkey and your naps. But it's actually the, the, the most difficult part reveals the most beautiful truths. Verse 28, this is God saying, who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and he shall fulfill all my purpose. Saying of Jerusalem, she shall be built, and of the temple your foundation shall be laid. Cyrus is an interesting name for God to drop here. Because Cyrus would have been, it would have been a word that would have almost been a name too painful for this nation to mention. He was the physical embodiment of Israel's total and absolute collapse and failure of their faith in God. He is the one who conquered Israel. Redemption means evil sometimes seems to win. For redemption to be there, it, it means that sometimes it seems that evil is winning. Cyrus conquered. But here is God saying, he is my shepherd. He fulfilled my purpose. Whoa. <laughs> even, even Cyrus? The one who conquered Israel? The one who scattered his people? I could get all history major on you right now, but something so amazingly beautiful, and I, and I will. I said I can, and I will. Something so beautiful about the story the, of what God wrote with Cyrus is that he scattered his people. One, they got prophecies that they never could have possibly imagined something so beautiful as Jesus unless they were scattered in this way. The Messiah would not have been something that they would have desired unless they would have been scattered. Two, is that there were seeds planted all over that world for the gospel to take root hundreds of years later. And two, it showed God's plan of redemption, of bringing his people back and proclaiming, she shall be built, your foundation shall be laid. Preparing a people who, yeah, eventually Israel did come back, but then they were reconquered by Rome. 
But the, the, the Jerusalem that he's building was the death of Jesus, and, and the foundation of the temple is Jesus. In Romans, they call him the cornerstone of the temple. The, cor- the, the, the thing that everything is built off of is Jesus. God is even, was even able to use someone like Cyrus for his redemptive plan. And there are people sometimes that you're like, seriously, even, like, what, what are you doing, God? Evil seems to be just running rampant. But his plan is not thwarted. It is already finished, and it's, it's proven by the fact that Cyrus wasn't able to end it. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't able to end it. Caesar wasn't able to end it. Nero wasn't able to end it. Redemption means evil sometimes seems to win, even though it's already lost. It is finished. It's done. The plan has been revealed. We should be able to trust in the plan, but it means, honestly, friends, and this is, this is why it, it's tough, is that sometimes we have to go through periods of questioning. Friends, doubt is not the enemy. What we should do with the doubt, though, is take it to God. Doubt is not inherently a sin. We take your doubt to God. And I've had periods of doubt. Those, those moments of grief I've mentioned with my kids, with my mom, with years of, of struggling with uh, trying, to, trying to figure out which job to take or years of, of, of walking through my mom and other people, people who, have, who have called me evil, who have said to my face, I hate you. I don't know what the end of all of those things are, but I know what my end is. And it's not because of me. It's because God is sovereign and he's saving the world, both overall and for me. There's a verse I take solace with. It contains a lot of really uh, bible sounding words, but I'll just go through it. Romans 8, 28-32. And we know for those who love God, all things work together for good. Now, I want to pause here for just a second. All things work together for good. That good is his good. He determines that good. Sometimes I think we read that verse and we're like, oh, great, so someday I will get that good. No, that all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those who he predestined, he also called. Those who called, he also justified. And those who justified, he also glorified. A lot of bible words to say, God's got me. He's the, he's the one doing this stuff. 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for, if he's for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will we not also with him graciously give us all things? There's a lot of things that I still have questions about, honestly. Philosophically, historically. But when I think about my life and my rejection and my, my rebellion against God and the fact that he has loved me and pursued me and put me in, in people's lives and, and under people who, who have loved me, the way that he has redeemed me and changed me, it makes me believe, despite all my questions, that I, I believe that God is for me. Do you? Do you believe that God is for you? If he is, then that changes the way that we plan our lives. If he is sovereign in, in his saving plan and he is for me, you know, sometimes I think when, when, when you talk about God as sovereign in his plan, Usually the, the thought comes out of like, okay, then how about I just like sit on the couch and like God just like brings stuff to me? No, 
we still do stuff that connects part of that to that. Romans is talks about like still having to walk in the freedom of obedience and making intentional choices. But even when we fail those, the fact is that his sovereign plan means that I can trust that he's for me and that he is one and my end is determined. So my question is, can, can we let, <laughs> let go of control of the plan? Can we let go, con- let go of control of the plan? Can I say my plan, I'll plan it, but, it, but it's yours. I, I love the, the, the idea, there's uh, Psalm 16, 9 says, in the heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord determines his steps. I'm not saying don't plan. Just hold it with a really, really open hand. Knowing that the one who's going to change it is for you. He is for you. God, his sovereign, your freedom. I want to give you a moment to reflect and think about what's a plan that I need to let go of. A little plan, a big plan. What's something that I've been holding on to so tightly that I need to let go of control? And I'm going to give you a minute to do this, and I'm going to invite the band up. What's something that I need to let go of? Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. God, whom have we in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Sometimes, God, that's not true. And thank you for the forgiveness, (laughs) the grace. Help me to desire you more. My flesh and my heart do fail, God. They fail. But you are the strength of my heart, my portion forever. You have proven yourself as, as my strength, as our strength, God. I pray as we, as we hold our plans in front of you, Lord, help us to believe these words. We believe, help our unbelief. I love that prayer. We believe, help our unbelief, God. Help us believe that you are for us and that you can trust thank you that it is finished, that we know the end, that you've brought us to the end. We love you, God, so much.